0: Good evening and welcome to what we lose in the shadows
1: a father-daughter true crime podcast
0: my name is jamis keys
1: i'm caroline and today we have the following trigger warnings murder child abuse and child neglect
0: you know care today we're going to be talking about something that i've uh i, I just recently heard of, although it happened actually even before i was born oh my goodness So uh, this is the story of of the Deborah family, and we call this Horror at Sea. Arthur Deborah was a successful ophthalmologist in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Since getting out of the Navy, he always had wanted to instill the love of the sea in his children. Arthur had enough money to take his family on an extended voyage, year-long voyage, and by doing that, he would give his family the world. Mm -hmm. His first step... Uh, Just a real quick 200-mile cruise from the Florida Keys to the Bahamas and back.
1: So that would be, like, how many days?
0: Eh, Depending. I mean, they would go over uh, probably four or five days total time.
1: Total time. Okay. Right.
0: So they decided to do that in uh, the fall of 1961. And the family took a road trip from Green Bay to Fort Lauderdale early in November. So Deborah hired an acquaintance of his, a former military fighter pilot and a well-known yachtsman named Julian Harvey.
1: So was this their boat or his boat?
0: No, actually, Arthur had chartered a 60-foot, what they call a catch, which is just a 60-foot, two-masted sailboat.
1: So chartered meaning rented?
0: Yes. Okay. And the name of the ship was the Bluebell. So on Wednesday, November 8th, the family boarded the ship. Arthur's family included his wife, Jean, his 14-year-old son, Brian, his daughters, Terry Jo, who was 11, and Renee, who was 7. Also on board was Julian's new wife, his sixth wife.
1: And six wives.
0: Six wives. Okay. So he's been busy. (laughs) He took Mary to basically help him out on the cruise to be the cook and so on. Mm -hmm. So over the next four days, the family traveled to such places as Bimini and also Sandy Point in the Bahamas. And it was great. They wandered the beaches, they swam, they learned how to snorkel. The kids were having a blast. Arthur actually met the uh, district commissioner in the Bahamas named Roderick Pinder. And he said what a wonderful once-in-a-lifetime trip it was. And that he would be returning, uh, maybe by Christmas, and if not by then, certainly by the next summer. He wanted to build a summer house in the Bahamas. So on the evening of November 12th, uh, they left the Bahamas to make their way back to Florida, and they were really excited about the cruise, um, you know, because it would be a night cruise. Kind of cool, kind of unusual, you know, a mm-hmm. little, little danger, perhaps.
1: Right. Like, kind of spooky.
0: Kind of spooky.
1: But, like, pretty at the same time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. But after they set sail and after dinner, Terry Jo, who was 11, was worn out from everything. Mm-hmm. So she headed downstairs into the cabin that she shared with her sister. The following day, an oil tanker saw a man in a dinghy. He was frantically waving his hands. It was Julian Harvey.
1: Julian? Yes. The, the captain? Correct. Okay.
0: He had Arthur's daughter, Renee, in the boat with him. And he said, help me, help me. I have a little drowned girl in the boat with me. She's dead? She's dead.
1: Uh, and how old was she? Seven. Oh, my God.
0: He told the crew uh, of the ship and later the Coast Guard that the ship was sunk by a squall or a rogue wave, Mm. and the wave snapped the mast in half, and the secondary mast had also fallen, crushed the cockpit of the boat, and started a fire. And the damage was just too much for the ship to bear, and everyone on board but him had gone down with the vessel.
1: And he brought one little girl's body with him?
0: Exactly. So you're thinking kind of what the Coast Guard was thinking. They thought there was some things wrong with that story. The weather, um, even though it's 1961, it was nowhere near the advanced features we have now. But the weather just didn't seem to fit with what he said had happened.
1: Okay. So he's, he's saying, like, there was this rogue wave and, like, the guy's like, I don't think that was around this area like there wasn't a rogue wave that i heard about that kind of thing
0: so you can't even to this day it's very hard to catch a rogue wave right to try to can try to predict it and that kind of thing but at that point in time it was impossible
1: okay him. oh so he didn't know he didn't know. but it just wasn't very like choppy at sea well is what that's he's the
0: bone of contention they were saying okay. it really shouldn't have been all that choppy. maybe there was a little light drizzle last night but certainly not a squall yeah And certainly not a typhoon or a a rogue wave or anything like that. Harvey seemed, you know, pretty nervous as the Coast Guard was talking to him. But, you know, he had just lost his wife and a family of five that he had been responsible for had disappeared.
1: I just don't understand why he brought the little girl with him. That just seems really weird. Like, it's like, look, look, see, she did die. Like, it's really creepy.
0: Maybe to substantiate a story that he tried to save them.
1: I know, but like... I don't know. That just seems... I don't know. Anyways, it's not his daughter either, so it's really weird. Right.
0: I think she was more of just a prop for him.
1: That's disturbing.
0: During the second day of interrogation by the Coast Guard, an officer came running into the room and yelling, they found a second survivor. Now, Harvey immediately began to sweat heavily. Oh,
1: my God.
0: And he said, oh, my God. And then he thought, knew what he said. He said, what wonderful news. Harvey said he was feeling very emotional and very fatigued and asked if he could pick up the discussion the following morning. Harvey then proceeded to check into to the Sandman Motel, not too far from the base. The morning after that, the housekeeper went to clean his room and they found Harvey dead. Oh, my God. He had slashed his wrists.
1: <gasps> so, the Sandman, that's in Florida?
0: Yes. Okay. So, Terry Joe. Did have a wonderful vacation on that fateful November. She and her family did have the trip of a lifetime, as her father had called it.
1: She's the 11-year-old daughter? Correct. Okay.
0: On the night of the 12th, Terry Jo was tired and she fell asleep in her bunk. She was awoken sometime later by the sound of screaming. And not just her typical screaming, but the screaming of someone who is in pain or in Ooh. torture or in fear for their life. She heard her, Bri- her brother Brian yelling, Daddy, help! Following the sound, there were a lot of noise on the deck and running feet above. Terry Joe, tentatively, she crept out of her cabin. But when she got to the galley that wasn't far from the sleeping berths, she saw a horrible sight. Her mother and brother were lying on the floor of the kitchen, both dead, both in pools of blood.
1: Oh, my God. Right. That's so traumatic.
0: Her heart was pounding and she rushed up the stairs to the deck and she was met there by Captain Harvey. Mm. She asked what was happening and he struck her in the face, pushed her down the stairs and said, get back down there. Oh. Terrified, rightly so. Yeah. She returned to the cabin and she had to shield her face as she passed the bodies of her mother and brother. Oh my God. She sat on the edge of her bed, not sure what to do. Suddenly she noticed there was water seeping into the cabin under the door she could also smell oil in the water so she pulled her feet up and sat there and sat there but when the water level reached the mattress and started to float it she realized the boat was sinking so she crept back and returned to the deck she found harvey lowering the diggy and the life raft into the water she asked are we sinking and he said yes and he thrust a rope into her hands and said hold this now, she had been through a lot already. She was an 11-year-old girl. The current was too strong and the rope pulled out of her hands. Harvey returned and saw the boats drifting away. And so he dove into the ocean and began to swim for them. There was little Terry Joe, the 11-year-old, on a sinking ship in the Atlantic Ocean. By herself. By herself.
1: Not on these boats. He's on the boat. Julian's on the boat.
0: He's in the water, swimming to the boats oh <clears throat> and God. hightailing it out of there. So basically, um, you know, Terry Jo, fortunately, was no ordinary 11 year old. She realized that she had to get off the ship. But how? The cowardly captain had taken both boats.
1: What? Oh, my God.
0: Then she remembered a small cork boat, a life ring, basically, on the aft deck. Quickly, she grabbed the boat worked her way over the broken masts and oily water, uh, which was by that time the ship was on fire. Carrie Joe pulled herself onto the raft and jumped into the ocean.
1: So is this a raft where your feet are sticking through?
0: It's this tiny little raft. It's meant mainly as an emergency flotation device.
1: So she's not completely on it? Like, is she sitting on this raft?
0: The raft is only three feet long by two feet wide. Okay. With a big hole in the center with a kind of a rope netting, it's mainly meant for holding on to if you fell overboard.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Now, what she didn't know was there's still a rope attached to the end. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, Terry and the raft began to be pulled toward the boat and underwater. Oh, my God. Frantically, she dug her nails while underwater into the rope, into the knots, and tried to work the knots. Finally. Finally. She was able to get free just as the boat, with her whole family aboard, sank beneath the black water.
1: What a survivor this little girl was like. I I just, that is amazing. Wow.
0: So, Terry Jo was completely alone in the Atlantic, in the dark.
1: In a life raft.
0: Not even a life raft. She couldn't completely get out of the water.
1: Oh, my God. She
0: was wet. She was cold. And she found herself being lifted by these huge, black, giant waves. Very little light. Ships passed her in the dark. And she cried out to the ships, but they couldn't hear her. The following day, the sun rose. And she thought that was a blessing because she finally stopped shivering and started to warm up. But that welcome sunlight soon became her adversary as it burned her skin
1: like this is like the worst thing I've ever heard, well maybe not the worst thing I've ever heard, but it's pretty terrible
0: because she's terrible.
1: 11, 11. she's years seen old. her family like die, probably murdered. she's been punched in the face by a grown man thrown down the steps, probably has injuries, maybe contusions from that traumatized. she knows or maybe assumes that Julian did this on purpose and then she's floating overnight by herself shivering, freezing, probably thinking about sharks and all the other like dangerous things that come with the ocean by herself at 11 in the Atlantic Ocean, right, trying to process the trauma that she just witnessed. And then sun comes, she's happy. And then it starts to burn her and she has nowhere to hide.
0: Exactly. You know, in in fact, uh, she kept her eyes closed because the shimmering light on the water made her dizzy. She couldn't lie down because the raft was so small. So she sat there on the side with her feet dangling in the water, and these little thing called parrotfish—they kept coming up and biting her on the foot.
1: Oh! What is a parrotfish?
0: Just a little, uh, you know—not a little, maybe about
1: seven, eight inches, something like that. Oh my
0: god! So they came up and they would bite her on the foot. Now she—they
1: ju- thought she was like food,
0: right? So she tried to, you know, splash them away, but then she realized. My gosh! I don't want to get too much attention, or some bigger fish might actually come.
1: This is insane.
0: And and so it went for four days.
1: Four days she was out there, no food, no water.
0: No food, no water, Being no protection alive. from the elements. Sitting upright.
1: She not actually, sleeping.
0: Not sleeping. Yeah,
1: oh she my.
0: actually she, she did once fall asleep, and she toppled into the water, and then she had to scramble back on the on the raft. So. For those that period of time, she stayed awake. Um, the one thing she had said was the one thing that gave her hope, she prayed. Uh, but there were a pod of dolphins that kind of came up and, and kind of encircled her. Um, and she felt safer.
1: They they circled around. They were kind of
0: around her and you know, kind of so she didn't feel alone.
1: You know, I just think dolphins are like the best thing that ever happened yeah. <laughs> to us because they, they seem so kind to humans, and it's really interesting. Like, Absolutely. They're better to humans than we are to each other.
0: <laughs> than humans are. Yeah. So, But now on the fourth day, there was a Greek freighter called the Captain Theo, and it was in a route from Antwerp to Houston. The second officer, and I'm going to screw up this name, but I'm going to try it anyways, named Nicholas Bakadakis. He was the second officer, and he was scanning the ocean ahead with a pair of binoculars. And he saw in the distance these waves and these white caps that were breaking all over the place. Uh, and after a few minutes, he noticed there was one white cat that wasn't dissipating. Terry Joe's little boat was also white.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: it was Terry Joe. She was very near death. She was suffering from sunburn, dehydration, heat stroke. And she had a temperature of 105 degrees.
1: Oh, my God.
0: The crew frantically tried to save Jerry, Terry Joe. They gave her water and orange juice. They sponged away the salt from her skin, and they put her into a cool uh, place inside the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, she They also put Vaseline on her lips because her lips were just so terribly, terribly torn up from the sun. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, called the United States Coast Guard. She told them her name and about the sinking of the bluebell, and she passed out. The Coast Guard leapt directly into action immediately sending a helicopter that landed on the ship and took her back to Florida to a hospital. Thank God. At the hospital, the doctors found Terry Jo in a coma.
1: Oh my God! Suffering
0: from exposure and extreme dehydration.
1: It's amazing that she survived that and like kept herself awake until she knew, like, okay, it's now out of my hands and I can actually rest. Right. And that's when she fell into a coma because she was probably just running on adrenaline the entire time
0: yeah absolutely. And one doctor would later say that she was mere hours from death.
1: oh my gosh, I'm so glad that that boat saw her and like didn't second guess themselves like, oh, it's probably just trash in the ocean like
0: so miraculously, Terry Joe rebounds after a few days, and she's able to tell the Coast Guard officials the terrible tale. Oh gosh. She wasn't sure why Captain Harvey and Captain we'll just just call him Harvey. Uh, didn't kill her. He killed her entire family, but left her alive. But, well, maybe the worthless psychopath had had his fill of killing, or maybe he just thought, why bother? I'm going to take both boats with me so there's no survivors. She'll definitely drown. He hadn't considered that this little girl was a fighter.
1: Definitely. definitely. This little girl was
0: tougher than anyone he'd probably ever met.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this guy. Harvey was actually, you know, he was a decorated World War II veteran. He was a Korean War pilot. But since he left the military, he would had difficulty heading on to any job for any length of time. And he had serious financial problems. He had recently bought a double indemnity insurance policy for his wife just a few months before their marriage.
1: Meaning life insurance?
0: Double indemnity basically means that Whatever the face amount of the policy is, in this case, it was $20,000, would double to $40,000 if she died accidentally.
1: He killed his wife for $40,000.
0: Yeah, but understand, at that point in time, in 1961, $40,000 was more like $300,000
1: That's still so little. Like, people will literally kill people over nothing, I swear. It's so sad.
0: It is. It absolutely is. That's
1: horrible. Ugh.
0: Just one month prior to the Dubal uh, family chartering the Bluebell, Harvey uh, had been hired uh, by the vessel's owner, a gentleman by the name of Harold Pegg, to take tourists to the sea, uh, you know, on different cruises. For that, he was paid uh, three hundred dollars a month, and he got to live on the boat for free. It was probably at that point that Harvey kind of formulated this plan. He was having financial problems. He was newly married
1: Maybe for the he- sixth time.
0: Maybe he formulated the plan to get rid of his wife at that point. Wow. And that's exactly the conclusion that uh, that the Coast Guard and the FBI had reached. They thought that uh, Harvey had planned to kill his wife, collect the $20,000 plus the double indemnity, uh, which would yield him you know, insurance sum, you know, a tidy little sum when they settled.
1: So that's the only reason he did it. The family was literally just collateral damage. Yes. Oh, my God. They, like, they're... I mean, I'm not saying he obviously should not have killed his wife, but, like, he killed an entire family, didn't even Mm -mm. care, just so he could kill his... Like, what? Oh.
0: Psychopath. So what they think is that Harvey had planned to kill his wife and dump her over the side and say that she had fallen over sometime in the night. But he didn't count on Mary fighting back. So they think that Mary screamed and fought back, and that drew the attention of uh, Terry Joe's father, Arthur. Arthur tried to come to her rescue, but Harvey had a knife at least, and he killed uh, Mr. Debrot. Oh, my gosh. And at that point, he realized he's killed the wife, he's killed Mr. Debrot. I'm going to have to just kill the entire family and sink the boat and say that it was some horrible boating accident. Furthermore, they think that he likely retrieved Renee's body, the little 7 year old girl's body from the ocean, to add credibility to his story.
1: Despicable.
0: In closure, the the inquiry concluded that Harvey had not that Harvey had committed his own suicide because he would have most certainly been prosecuted for the murder of all five people.
1: And he wasn't because he died first. So, like, that's technically an open case. Or did they close it with? I think they can close them even without um, charging the person if they're dead. No, they can't. Can they?
0: Well, it, it, it depends on the state. It depends okay. on the statute. But, but basically, there was a witness that said he had played a role in this yeah. and that he'd struck her. So more than likely, any rational jury would have come to the conclusion that he killed them all. This, things like this had happened to this guy before. What? Investigators discovered that he was had been married six times. They also discovered that in 1949, he was with, I think, his second wife. And there had been a funny crash... While they were going across a bridge with the girl and her mother. And the car crashed uh, into the bayou on a rainy night. And Harvey swam to shore while his wife Joanne and her mother Myrtle both drowned.
1: Did he collect insurance money from that?
0: Why, he did.
1: Oh my gosh. You just got to be careful with the people that you meet and marry. Because literally they can seem so nice. But like, look at this. Oh my God. I mean, but the thing is, is that... If you know that someone's done this before, or I, I, I don't know, don't want to victim blame. So, but
0: well, keep in mind that at this point in time, in the nineteen sixties, there weren't really any international or national databases. So you could news. Pardon me.
1: Like that wasn't in the news, like that kind of thing.
0: Sure, but I mean, like you know, they probably ruled that the that the uh, driving off the bridge was an accident. Yeah. But he'd done other things, too, like he had one boat called the Torbatross, and he had also previously sunk that boat by running into uh, a submerged wreckage of the San Marcos, which was a warship. Um, His crew members told him repeatedly, saying, you're steering way too close to that wreckage. But he repeatedly said, no, I'm just trying to get a look at what the name is on the buoy. He crashed the boat. The boat sunk. He got the insurance check.
1: From who? From the insurance company. Oh, the insurance check for who, or for the for, boat? For the boat. Oh, uh, okay.
0: And he had a power boat by named hysterically Valiant. Yikes! <laughs> which had also sunk under mysterious circumstances. So all these losses and tragedies had yielded large insurance settlements each time for him, which he was the only beneficiary of.
1: What a con man!
0: Real piece of shit. Literally. So let's talk about Terry Joe. Terry yeah. Joe. Never really considered health, herself a victim, but rather a survivor. True. She didn't talk about the incident for twenty or more years. She told the Coast
1: Guard, and then right. she didn't like discuss it in public. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah, because she went back, and, and her aunt and uncle uh, took her in, oh. raised her as one of their own,
1: I'm and, and
0: she happened. lived a happy, happy life. Right. Good. But she never really wanted to talk about.
1: Understand. And
0: oddly, at that point in time. If some tragic thing happened to you, then they tended to just say it's in the past, it is what it is. What what year is 1961.
1: Oh yeah, I can only imagine. You you could talk more about that, but I bet they had no mental health services. No right. therapists. Well, did they have therapists?
0: I suppose, but there was but a real stigma to, uh, yeah. attached to going to see a therapist at that Even point. Even in this time.
1: situation, like it's well surprising.
0: for her, sure. Maybe. But, but okay. I mean most people A didn't have access to yeah, okay, to, to a therapist and B there was some sort of, uh-oh, that person went to a shrink. Oh, quote, a quote.
1: shrink instead of a therapist back right. then.
0: Right. So basically, uh, Terry lived her life. She grew up. Uh, she studied x-ray technology during her younger years. But eventually, she quit that. She she later attended the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay and graduated with a bachelor's degree in cultural geography. Cool. And she went on to lead a successful life as a water management specialist. Uh, She worked for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources uh, for over 14 years.
1: That's phenomenal.
0: As I said, she didn't speak about the incident publicly for over 20 years. Uh, She eventually published a book called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean in 2010. In 2010?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness.
0: The book was co-authored by psychologist Richard Logan, and it covers her experiences aboard the Bluebell. As of 2023, Terry is 73 years old, and she celebrated her 73rd birthday back on February 9th in 2023.
1: Oh, she's still alive. That's amazing. She is. She's
0: married. She had six kids, uh, and she changed her first name to Terry instead of Terry, but but that's kind of cool. It's just another one of the stories of some psychotic person deciding to do something for gain. Literally. But in this case, this is a great, this is a happy ending. She survived. Somewhat
1: of a happy ending.
0: Somewhat of a happy ending. Yeah. But she survived and she thrived.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And that is the story of Terry Jo.
1: Follow the show on whatever streaming site you're listening on.
0: And remember, all of the source material will be available in the show notes.
1: And follow us on Instagram at what we lose in the shadows. And let us know if you want to hear a specific case. Or
0: if you just want to give us some feedback.
1: Okay. Join us in the shadows next Tuesday. Bye.